Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Today, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians, uh, one verse in Ephesians, and then we're going to go into uh, the book of Mark a little bit. But uh, Ephesians... Um, chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in this place. And we ask your blessing upon this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Heather and I talked about uh, voice activated. And we talked about Uh, what we're speaking into existence and what we're activating with our words when we're going through situations and circumstances and or just I guess habits of what we we uh, develop of saying and and uh, uh, and and today I want to follow that up a little bit and talk about words again but not just words but about our uh, our thoughts and I want to talk to you on the thought of what are we asking and what are we thinking what are we asking and what are we thinking and so uh, this goes back really just to the renewed mind and uh, taking uh, inventory of uh, what, one, what's coming out of our mouths, and two, what are we, what are we thinking about different things? What, are, what truly uh, is our belief system when it comes to, to certain things we face in life, the different belief systems that we have? And in this scripture where it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but that in, in one way to put it, I'm not saying that we're in control of God, but kind of we set the bar and that he's always going to go above and beyond. But what bar are we setting with our thought life and with our words? What really are we, we're, we say we're expecting God to do this stuff, but what is our mind focused on and what's coming out of our our mouths. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. So the question is, what are we asking and, and what are we thinking? Now, uh, you'll hear a lot in the church about, we talk a lot about wanting to see God do things. We want to see miracles. We want to see signs and wonders. We want to see His power in action. We want to see all these different things, but are we truly asking for these things? You see, ultimately, what we think is what's going to, the way, and the way we think is what's going to come out of our mouth. And that's why the renewed mind is so important. So are we thinking about God doing these things, uh, or are we thinking about how bad things are? You know, uh, a good example is we say all the time, we talk about revival in the church, but we really need to examine ourselves and try to figure out, are we focusing and looking at how bad things are 
and say, man, things are so bad, we need revival, or are we having our mind fixed on the things of God and thinking about how amazing revival will be and thinking about the miracles that will happen and thinking about the uh, growth to the kingdom and the, all this stuff and say, man, I'm asking for revival. It, I, it doesn't sound like a big difference, but it is. Are we just looking at how bad it is? Man, we really need, this world is so bad, we need revival. All the focus is on how bad the world is. I know it's bad. Our focus should be on how good God is and how amazing revival would be. And then if we really do that, instead of talking about how bad everything is, we'll actually start asking for revival and he'll go exceedingly abundantly above anything that we ask or think. See, could this verse be telling us that if we don't ask, for it, then we're not going to see it. Could it be telling us that if we don't use our imaginations with the Lord to partner with God and think about the amazing things that He's wanting to do, that He can do, that He's able to do, that he, He's going to do, that we'll never be the ones to see it? See, if we know that He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, could the reason that we aren't seeing the amazing acts of God the way that we should be because we're not asking or thinking about those things the way that we should. See, why do we constantly limit God with our thoughts and our words? Now, this is kind of a tough message to preach because it's uh, so convicting on myself because we all struggle with, with this stuff. We, get, we, you know, we go through things. We see circumstances right in front of us that we can see. And so it's, we want to dwell on what we're seeing instead of spending our time thinking on those things that we know are true from God's Word that we, maybe we can't see in the physical right now with whatever it is we're going through. Have you ever thought, why do so many Christians pray uh, a prayer for strength to go through or to endure a, a sickness or a trial or a circumstance, which is a good prayer. I think we all pray that one but never pray for complete healing or never pray for just a mountain to be moved. Now, I, I've said many times up here, and I'll, I say all the time, we go through trials, we go through tribulations, we go through some stuff in this life, and God's grace is sufficient. He gives us the ability to go through and face those things, but everything I go through, I'm sure going to ask Him at the beginning, God, is this something you can just take care of for me right quick so I don't have to go through this? Do you like going through stuff? I don't. I'd rather not. But there are a lot of people, they never even ask. They never even think about it. See, why do we sit around thinking about different scenarios of things getting worse in our condition or our circumstance or whatever it is, but never sit around thinking of different scenarios of how God's going to work it out, or how God's going to heal us, how God's going to send breakthrough, the different things that we're going to do when God brings us through this situation instead of just having thoughts of worry and actually wondering if God will bring us through or not, if we're being honest. See, why do so many Christians, good Christians, they pray for God to meet a need? We've all done it. Pray for God, and the easiest way to look at it is a financial need. You, you, even the church, an individual or the church, they're praying, we've got to come up with this money. God, we need you to move on our behalf. We, we need you to meet this need. We need you to bless us in our finances to pay this bill. And that's a good prayer, too. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? I, I have. We all have, and God's met my need. But why do we never pray to just be debt-free and overflowing with abundance? Why don't we ever take it to the, to, the, to the level of thinking? And I'm not trying to preach prosperity in any, in any way, even though I'm all for it. Bring it on. But, 
But I mean, we're, we're always just, God has helped me meet this need. What if it, the next time, if you just started daydreaming with God and you started thinking, God, I'm just asking you to make me debt free and to make me a good steward and a good investor. And so, Lord, that, that from now on, when me and you are having these talks about money, it's you telling me who to go bless with what you've given me instead of me having to ask you to pay another bill. What's wrong with that? But we would think that's crazy, but yet we'll do the other where we're on our knees crying, needing the Lord to help us make, a, make another bill. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's the situation that you're in. Ask Him to meet that need, but just don't stop there. Start thinking about God blessing you to the point that He can call on you to go do some of His work for Him that He has for, for His people to do. Why do we spend so much time thinking of what could go wrong in our finances instead of thinking of the blessings of God and how we can be good stewards with those blessings and bless other people? But yet, for some reason... We know we all do it. What are we asking? What are we thinking? What are, where are we setting that bar? We want to see Him do amazing things, but are we thinking about it? And are we talking to Him about it? If we ask for these things and we thought about these things, would we begin to see even greater things happen in our lives? The Word says that we would. We're not, I'm not seeing God do amazing things in my life. Are you thinking about it? Are you asking him about it? And see, the enemy wants to influence our thoughts. And he wants to take over our belief system because our belief system is ultimately what we're thinking about. What we think about is what we're going to talk about. And he wants us proclaiming the wrong things and partnering with, the, with what, the, uh, what he says about us instead of what, what God says. Because he wants to keep us in, that, uh, in that, that place. Because he wants to keep us from believing God's word because he wants to keep us from partnering with the Lord. He doesn't want us to see the exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or think. See, why are we so afraid to partner with God? He wants to partner with every person in here. He wants to see you do amazing things uh, for the kingdom. So I want to read this familiar story to you from Mark chapter 6 uh, about feeding the 5,000. And I'm going to read verses 35 through 44. It says, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish, or five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Now we've all heard this story. We've all read this story. So there's five thousand men, I guess plus, there's five thousand men plus women and children. So people speculate on how many thousand that would be. But so five thousand plus. And there, uh, he feeds them with five loaves and two fish. Now, in John chapter 6, uh, we read that this was from a little boy's lunch. 
a little boy's lunch that he gave it to Jesus and Jesus did this miracle. And like I said, I know we've all heard this story many times, but I, like usual, I want you to think about some things from a different perspective today uh, in, in this story that maybe you've never thought of before. And I want you to think of out of 5,000 plus people that were here at this place, and it says it's a deserted place. So they know that they're, gonna, they're following Jesus to hear him speak, and they know there's nothing else around. Was this boy the only one that had any food on him at all? How many people in here have at least a stick of gum in your pocket, a mint? How many of you have some kind of snack in your purse, something? This boy was the only, think about it for a moment. He's the only one, that many women with kids in one place and nobody brought snacks. Out of all those people, not one person had a biscuit or a dinner roll. Nobody had a, nobody had a, a piece of beef jerky or something, some type of jerky thing going on in their backpack. Nothing at all. Probably not. I'm not going to argue with anybody. If you believe that this little boy's lunch was the only thing there to eat out of 5,000 uh, 5, plus people, then that's okay. I think some other people probably had something uh, on their person that day. So is it possible that there were more people there that had small amounts of food or snacks, no matter how small, but that they didn't think that what they had to offer was enough to mention to Jesus? They didn't think what they had to offer Jesus, that he could do anything with it. See, so could it be that the little boy wasn't the only one there with a small amount of food? He was just the only one there that thought what he had was enough for Jesus to use. See, what are we thinking? What do you think about what you have? Has it ever crossed your mind of how Jesus could use what you have to do something amazing? If it hasn't, you're not thinking the right things. You're not using your imagination the right way. You're not daydreaming the right way. See, kids, they usually will always give you what they have. Uh, if you've got something going on, and you know how you try not to talk about certain things in front of the kids, maybe, maybe something just hits you at a left field, and you're like, what again? How am I going to pay for this? And it could be, 200, 300, 500, 1500 bucks, whatever it is, the bill that's come up. And the little kid comes up and says, Here, I'll pay for you, Dad. And gives you his leftover birthday money. It's like $2.50. And they just know it's going to cover it. They just know that what they're giving you is enough to make a difference, no matter what it is. And you know what we do? We say, Oh, thank you. That, this is just what I needed. And we take what they have or we try to get them to give it back. We try to give it back to them. We find a way to get it back to them later if we do take it. And we, we, we find a way to just to, to make it work because they want to pay for it for you. They, think, they always think that what they have to give is enough. What they have to offer is significant. And see, as adults, because of all the things that we go through in life, we tend to think that what we have to offer isn't enough, no matter what that is. See, but with God, it is enough. Just like a little kid handing it to their dad, when you hand it to the father, it's enough. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what life has told you about what you have to offer. It's enough when you give it to God. See, maybe this little boy was ready to give what he had because the cares of life had not yet convinced him that what he had to offer wasn't good enough. See, what have the cares of life convinced us of today? 
What, are the, what is the cares of life got us to thinking when it comes to what we can do for the kingdom and what we can do for God? How many of us would have held back that piece of jerky or that half a biscuit we had in our backpacks if we would have been there when the disciples were trying to find out if there was any food in the camp? Unfortunately, most of us probably wouldn't have said a word because we would have thought, it's not enough, but it sure would be good on the walk home. I'm going to just keep this in my, in my back pocket for, my, for myself. But, but we just think that what we have isn't enough. And so think about this. Even if, if, if half the people there that day, if just half the people would have had any type of small amount of food and would have given it to the Lord, it still wouldn't have been enough. It would have still taken a miracle to feed that many people. But just now think about how many more people would have partnered with Jesus that day in this miracle. And now when you think about all those people that missed out on the miracle that day, how many have we missed out on? Because we didn't think what we had to offer was enough to offer to Jesus to do something amazing for the, for the kingdom. See, they all would have partnered. Any amount of food that anyone had, they would have had the same opportunity to be a part of the miracle, but only this little boy partnered with the Lord. I can't help but wonder if everyone else there that day, while they were all thinking about receiving, was this little boy the only one who was thinking about doing something great with God? And that's where we find ourselves a lot in the church. And, it's, and look, receiving is very important. There's a lot of people that that's what holds them back. They haven't learned how to receive. I believe receiving is one of the keys of the kingdom. But at the same time, sometimes we get so focused on receiving, we forget that we're servants of the Lord. And uh, so people come to church every week, and it's what can they receive. They, they, every, every time they uh, go in their prayer closet, it's what can they receive. Every time they open the Word, it's what can they receive. It's receive, receive, receive. They never just think about partnering with God. Was this little boy the only one that thought, maybe today I'll get to do something with God? Now, I'll be honest. I told you this message is kind of convicting to me. Uh, well, not kind of, it is. But I went to a lot of conferences before COVID. Have we been to one after COVID? Maybe one. But um, before COVID, I went to at least two a year, sometimes more than that if I could find uh, um, some that were closer by. So, I mean, anywhere, everywhere from just Durham and Moravian Falls and uh, Raleigh and Charlotte to Texas to California, uh, Atlanta, Pennsylvania, anywhere we could go where I saw the big things. You know, there was a lot of big speakers, important people uh, that I had, that had a word I wanted to hear. And I can honestly say that every conference I've ever went to, I had one thing in mind, receiving. I never went thinking, man, I wonder if I'm, if, if I'm going to be able to do something with God on this trip. I wonder if God's going to use me to bless someone on this trip. I wonder if, I was just thinking, man, with all the money and time I'm spending to do this, God's really going to bless me. I'm really going to receive something nice on this one. And that's how most of us, most of us think. We never get past that and start thinking that God wants to use us to bless, to bless other people. And what's crazy is that some of these conferences, uh, many times, uh, guess who God used to bless Heather and myself? Normal people. Not the people on stage. Not the people who were getting paid to be there. The people who spent their money to get there just like me and her. And they have been some of the biggest blessings to us because they chose to go to an event where we were all there thinking, what can I receive today? And they were thinking, what do I get to do with God? 
And God opened a door for them to minister to us and minister to other people that we got, we got to witness. So while everyone else was thinking about receiving, was the boy the only one thinking about doing something great with God? See, what are we thinking about? Have you thought about doing something great with God this week? I don't know if I want to answer either. Because we get called up doing, doing the, the same old things and we, we don't take the inventory. See, God wants us to partner with Him. Look at what Jesus did with this boy's lunch. It says he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to the disciples to give it to the people. He got everyone involved on the miracle. Everyone's involved. Now, there's different people believe different things about the way the meal multiplied. If it all just multiplied right in front of Jesus, if it, however, you can you can believe it however you want that it multiplied. But what I believe happened is that the meal multiplied as he broke it and gave it to the disciples. Now, this is 12 men serving 5,000 plus. That's a lot of work if they're going back and forth to Jesus over and over and over. So I also believe that it continued to multiply as the disciples gave it to the people. And I believe that it even multiplied when the disciples took up the leftovers as the people gave it back to them. I believe it was a continuous miracle. And see, God wants us involved. He got everyone involved that day. He wants us to partner with Him. But are we even thinking about it? Is it even crossing our minds? Because if we don't ever think about it, it's never going to come out of our mouths. And if we don't ever think about it and we don't ever ask for it, then how's he going to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we ask or think if we don't ask or think? He puts, kind of puts the ball back in our court to do something about this. See, so are we even having it in our minds when we pray? Why is it so hard for us to partner with God when we know he wants to partner with us? We need to be more, more kingdom-minded. In Mark chapter 8, I'm going to read this to you too. Jesus here is warning us about the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. And it's a Mark 8 verse 13. It says, And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Now, so here, this is, uh, Jesus is warning them. This is after he's fed the 4,000. Okay, and he warns them about the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. And we still need to know about this today because it's still affecting the church. Now, the leaven of Herod represents the political spirit. And besides just the obvious political stuff that's going on everywhere in the world today with uh, basically everybody finding out how corrupt their governments are, but even in the church, in the local church, in church denominations, in the international, there's a lot of political things that people get caught up in and argue about and all kinds of stuff. And he warns them about the, the leaven of the Pharisees, and that represents the religious spirit. These are very religious people. And what happens with religion that can make it so deceptive is that in a sense, God is at the center in a, in a sense. He's at the center, but he's impersonal and he's powerless because it's all about rules and regulations and it's not about growing in an actual uh, relationship with him. And, if you, and like I said, we still have these same dangers today that we have to worry about uh, in the church as being the bride of Christ, about this leaven getting in there and causing uh, problems. 
And see, this way of thinking and this leaven, it's gotten into the church and it keeps us from partnering with God. See, this leaven has been affecting the church for a long time, but there's also uh, good news because there's actually a third type of leaven, and it's called the leaven of the kingdom. If you keep reading verse 18, it says, Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Seven. So he said to them, How is it that you do not understand? Now, does anybody here know how you can feed five thousand and have twelve baskets left over? So you can imagine what the disciples were going through. And so we read earlier, they fed the 5,000, now he's fed 4,000. And uh, when they started with less, they fed more, and they had more baskets left over at the end. I don't understand it, but that's how the kingdom works. That's what he's, that's what he's trying to tell them. This is the leaven of the kingdom. It doesn't add up in the way you're thinking about it with your rational mind, but that's how the kingdom works. And it all goes back to what are we asking and what are we thinking? Are we thinking with the, and asking with the world system in mind? Or are we thinking with the kingdom system in mind where anything is possible? And even no matter what you can even think or say, he's going to do exceedingly and abundantly even more than that. But we have to think it. And we, have to, we have to ask it. We need to stop thinking about what we don't have because that's fear. It's also really easy to think about what you don't have. It takes practically no effort. I'm really good at it. Ask Heather. But that's fear. We're not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be people of faith. The leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees are both driven by fear. They're driven by the fear of man. But you see, the leaven of the kingdom is driven by faith. Faith in God and trust in God. And faith is superior to all reasoning. See, the kingdom is what everyone is longing for, whether they know it or not. But it takes courage to go against the fear of man. The fear of man is a, it's a legit enemy. That, faces, that we all face, it comes against all of us. But see, we need to ask for more. And we need to think about the greater things of God and with God. Now notice I didn't just say for God or from God. That we, get, we can get into that all day long. Oh, I'm doing this for God. And that's good. I'm glad that you are. And where I'm, I'm believing uh, God for this. You're wanting something from, from God. But what about the things of God and the things with God? When we just start thinking about things of the kingdom and we start thinking about ways that He wants to partner with us and do the miraculous through you, not always just through someone, someone else. See, we need to begin to dream big in the church like we used to. We need to dream big and give all that we have to God because when we will and when, when we do, it's enough for Him to do unbelievable things. If we dream about it long enough, we'll begin to talk about it. And as we begin to think about it and ask about it, He'll do exceedingly abundantly more. He's already told us that He would. See, unfortunately, all of us here, we're getting exactly what we asked for. If we don't ask, it's not, it's not, it's not going to happen. Now, our motivation should always be love. It should be have honor and respect for God. But there's nothing wrong with asking. There's nothing wrong of thinking like the little boy. Maybe today is the day I'm going to do something great with God. So when are we going to use the tools that God has given us and be the people of faith that He's called us to be? It's more than just being able to quote Bible verses. 
When are we really going to have it in our minds and in our, our thought patterns that when those negative things do happen during the week that we're able to just put them away and begin to think about the goodness of God and declare amazing things instead of just always asking for help. Like I said, are we going to be the one that just look at how bad it is and say we need revival? Or are we going to be the one to actually picture revival in our minds and begin to speak it out and talk about and ask for real revival? The problem is, is that sometimes we just like to make excuses. And uh, I think probably all of us in here, we're good at it. Sometimes we turn into teenagers. Um, have you ever went to talk to your teenager and you can, they can be going through, or someone else's teenager, doesn't matter. They can be going through exactly what you went through when you were their age. Almost exactly. The only thing difference is the names and the story. And you can say, yep, this has happened to me. This is what happened. And you can, you can basically tell them their own story and then they'll say, yeah, but you don't understand. It's different. You don't understand. It's the exact same story, but they'll say it's different. You don't understand. He understands every single thing that we're going through. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Everything you're going through, he already knows. He's actually been through it. But what does that mean? Because that can be... Have you ever read that verse and got a little like, let your mind wander a little bit and get a little confused. How, how, could Jesus, how could Jesus be tempted with things then that weren't even invented yet? How could Jesus be tempted to spend too much time looking at videos on his phone and when he should be spending time in the Word or time in prayer? Have you ever, have you ever thought about that or did it never cross your mind? You know, how, how could Jesus be tempted with some of the things that you go through being married when he was never married? How could he be tempted with some of the things that even our children are being tempted with, with, with all kinds of things, with technology, with drugs, with all this stuff, if it wasn't around 2,000 years ago? Well, <laughs> have you ever thought that? Has anybody ever thought that? <laughs> well, we know that he was, one, because the Bible tells us that he was. And because the Bible tells us that, it was, that he was, we got to think about it outside. What are, are, why are y'all teenagers looking at me? Are you, you're, you're, have you ever thought this? You're not going to admit it? Oh, Hannah's going to admit it? Okay, well, one, the Word tells us, the Bible tells us that he was tempted in all ways as us, okay? Yet without sin. So what this actually shows us is that temptation is not in the action. It's not, the actions may change from generation to generation to generation, but this, the temptation's the same. We're not tempted in our actions, we're tempted in our beliefs. And what the enemy wants to do more than anything is get you to doubt God and question your belief in God. And that's what it all comes back to about what we're thinking, because what we're thinking is going to affect what we're asking. And see, he's been through everything as us. He, was, he was, uh, can sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And that's why we find ourselves in him. And when situations come against us, that's causing us, tempting us, not tempting us to go out and do some certain action, whatever your stronghold or your, your weakness may be, but tempting us to doubt God's word to doubt that what we have is enough when we give it to Him, to doubt that He wants to do something amazing with us is what leads to the actions. 
And, so, and all of that is going to go back to the belief system, which goes back to what are you thinking? And because of what you're thinking, what are you asking God? And so what I want us to do, I want us to just take inventory for just a, a minute today, if they'll come back up. And uh, when Michelle was singing there at the end, she was saying, she, I guess she was, she was feeling like uh, the Lord was asking people to step out. I'm not even going to ask you to step out of the pew. I'm going to ask you to step out right here in your mind. As they begin to sing, I don't know what situation you're going through. I don't know what you've been thinking about, what you can't get off your mind, what has you worried, what has you bothered, what has you troubled. And I don't even know what's been coming out of your mouth when it, about that situation. But I'll just, I'll just challenge you to take inventory this morning and change those thoughts and change those words. And begin to realize that what you have is enough if you give it to the Father. He wants you to partner with Him. Not someone that you think has more to offer. Not someone that you think has more talent. Because what you have is enough when you add Him to it. Father, we just thank You, God. We thank You that You want to partner with us, God. We thank You that what we have is enough when we give it to You. So God, we just want to ask big. We just want to dream with You this morning, God. And God, I just ask right now, Lord, that there would begin, there, even in this, this body of believers here, that you're going to raise up apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors, God. Lord, that giftings are going to begin to flow in people that they never even knew were there, God. Lord, that you're going to be able to begin to awaken dreams again that people have, 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 have just given up on, God. Lord, the song they sung this morning, Lord, you just stopping funerals, bringing things back to life, God. We just say right now, let that be in people's lives in this place today, God. I just pray relationships restored. I pray that, that uh, years of trauma from abuse, from drug abuse, from neglect, whatever it may be, God, Lord, just give them back, just restored to people. Years of separation and families, giving back, Lord, time that's been taken away from the, by the enemy, God. We just call it back right now in Jesus' name. We just pray for people to just begin to walk in their identity in you, Lord, and not believe the lie that the world's telling them. God, we just thank you, Lord, that people are going to be anointed with your Holy Spirit in this room like never before. Lord, that they're going to not just walk in power, but they'll walk in humility and love, Lord. There'll be a difference in the, in the presence that they carry, God. That they're just, it'll be, people can feel it when they walk into the room, Lord. God, we just ask for breakthrough. We ask for healing, Lord. We ask for deliverance, knowing that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. God, forgive us for all the negative thoughts that we had. Forgive us for all the time that we've wasted dwelling on the lies of the enemy, dwelling on circumstances and what the world says and what, and what the, this world system and what the past says, God. Lord, help us to focus on what you've said that we'll begin to dream again. God, and not just dream, but dream big because nothing is impossible for you. Lord, I just be, uh, ask right now for all those, Lord, that we've prayed that prayer about meeting a need, God, that you just send an abundance like never before. I pray that you prepare people to be good stewards with the blessings that are coming, God, so that they can bless others. God, that they'll understand that it all comes from you. Lord, we give you all that we have and all that we are because we want to partner with you. We want to be like the little boy, God. We want to do something great today with God. And every day after that, Lord, Lord, help us to, 
to receive what you have for us, God, but have a mindset that's all about partnering with you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We welcome you in this place, God. We just declare all sickness and disease has to go in Jesus' name. All orphan spirits, poverty mindsets, God, we just command them to be gone, knowing that you're going to send breakthrough, that you're going to send true change like never before, God. Lord, help us not to be uh, bothered by the political spirit or the religious spirit, God, but just have the spirit of the kingdom dwelling in us like never before. Help us to be kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused, Lord, and all of that starts with being centered around the King. And so we just thank you for who you are. And we just bless you, Lord. We just bless you. Lord, I pray that every person here that took the time, Lord, to, to let Holy Spirit search them, God, and to change their thoughts and to change what they're asking, God, I pray that they see uh, your hand begin to move in their life immediately, God. They see the change, God, and they just continue to build from here and go after you with all that they are. We just thank you, Lord. We just bless you. Don't let the enemy convince you that what you have to offer isn't enough. I was, when I went to sit down, I was thinking um, years ago, I preached the message. I don't even remember what I preached and um, gave an altar call, no response. And so I'm just standing in the altar by myself and this lady comes down, a uh, younger lady comes down, and she looks like she's just about scared to death. And uh, I'm kind of, honestly, I'm kind of thinking in the back of my mind, yes, one, but uh, she was there for me. And she said, uh, she was shaking, and she said, uh, I've never done anything like this before, but I don't know why, and I don't know why I'm doing this but something just keeps telling me I had to come down here and tell you that you're doing a good job and keep doing what you're doing because it's making a difference. And then she went back to her seat. Uh, well, she stayed down there a little while. I think her and Michelle prayed, and then she went back to her seat. And uh, she has no clue what that meant that day, just that little, little bit of time. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not very driven by people. I'm not very driven by people's responses about things. I don't know. I'm just kind of weird like that, I guess. So things, a lot of stuff doesn't bother me. But at the same time, it, it was a, a strong word of encouragement that I needed to hear that day. And probably out of that whole group that was there, she definitely would not have been in the top 10 that I would have chosen that God might have used to give a word to someone uh, that day. Not, not because anything was wrong with the lady, just because she's, it wasn't that she was um, very outspoken. It wasn't that she was this, a loud worshiper. It wasn't that she was anything that would draw any attention to her. One of the quietest people in the service, you're never going to know she was there. Nothing, everything like that. But what it was is on that day, she chose to partner with God. And that's really how simple it is. It's not, it doesn't mean you're going to go out there and go to uh, Africa or somewhere in the mission field. It's just a, it can be a simple, kind word of choosing to partner. With, and if you've asked God today in your heart, if you were asking, tell him you want to partner with him, don't be surprised if it's something simple of just giving someone an encouraging word and lifting them up. 
And then don't take for granted how important that encouraging word could be to that person. They might remember it years later, just like I am, I am today with that. And so I just want to encourage you with that, because sometimes you start talking about doing something great with God, and people, you know, they, they start getting panicked because they're, they're wondering what that's going to look like. It might, it may be, you may feed 5,000 people with whatever you got for lunch, but it could just be uh, a simple word like that. So, Lord, we just thank you again for your presence. We thank you that you want to partner with us, God. We thank you that you use us to do the miraculous. God, you're just so good. So I just speak blessings over every person here today. And I just ask that you bless their families, Lord. You bless their finances. You give them influence with man, Lord, and that you would just prosper them in everything that they do. And God, that we would just give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.